Thank you for listening to this podcast message from Stowe Presbyterian Church. This message was given by Pastor Bob Stanley. Someone asked me the other day, why do so many people struggle at Christmas? We saw that even in our, our prayer request this morning. This is someone who really wanted a definitive answer. They wanted, they said, you know, we've talked about this a little bit the last couple weeks. Why do you think it is? I mean, just give me something. Why? I don't know if I have an answer to that question. I, I wish I did. I, I actually prayed about it this week, and the best I came up with is this. Christmas reveals to us an amplified and perhaps even a deeper perspective on our own lives. It's kind of like if you've ever had to go to the hospital with your heart and have a stress test and they put you on that treadmill. I talked about that even a few months ago. And Think about that. When they put you on that, they have to put you in different circumstances so they can really focus in and see what happens. Christmas time, it's more than a microscope. Uh, it's more than a zooming in on our lives and our relationships. It's a real time of challenge. It comes with a lot of busyness. Sometimes there's a lot of stress. There's just a lot of things to do. So when we reflect on it, and if we consider it against the backdrop of our lives, Christmas is a time when we can see a whole lot of ourselves, a whole lot of our relationships, the deeper parts of our hearts that maybe aren't revealed in the same way in other times of the year. I think that's why Christmas may have the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Christmas is a time that really captures a lot for a lot of life and for what it means for us to, well, just be us. And not just us in a vacuum, but often it's our lives in community in the midst of all these relationships that weave us together. We share life together, and Christmas is a time when we share it in a very unique way. So Christmas is not just a time of expectation for us. It's it's a time, honestly, if we think about it, if we reflect on our own lives, it's a time where there can be some revelation for us too. In a very real way, we can see our needs, our hurts, our wants, our regrets, our hopes, and our expectations. They can all come crashing in on our lives, and that's not really all bad. It can be, and it often is, difficult, and it can be a lot for us to process or a lot for us to understand. So today, as we go to God's Word, we're going to have our own time of revelation. We're going to look at another anthem, another song of Christmas. And it's one of those songs of Christmas, one of those anthems we often overlook, or we just glance over it as we continue through the story in the Bible, because we never hear from the two main characters in this passage again. But they're far more than footnotes and just little reminders from God's Word. It's a reminder of how our lives and how our relationships work it's a reminder of how God is who he says he is and how he works in our lives and how Jesus is who God promised him to be, just as the angels proclaimed and the shepherds shared as we looked at last week. But as we look at this passage today in God's word, the question I have for you is simple. If God is who he says he is, and if Christmas is what we believe it to be, what we've been learning about it to be, how does that reality of Christmas and the reality of God being who he says he is, how does that change your life and mine? How we live our lives today, how we live our lives in the busyness in the middle of Christmas. And not just then, but through the twists and turns and the ups and downs we experience all year long. If love is what is revealed at Christmas, 
How does that love impact who we are and what we do? Do we live as if we know and believe it's all real and all true? Because the people we're going to meet today, Simeon and Anna, they lived and they showed that love to others, even as we'll see in this passage, to complete strangers. How they knew and how they believed that God was indeed near. So we're going to take a look this morning at Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 38, where Jesus is taken to the temple to be dedicated with his family. And as his family enters into the temple, they're intercepted by two strangers who offer praise and thanks for Jesus as the Messiah. They make some powerful claims about who he is and what that means for them and for all of us as God's people. And this account is an amazing reminder of how God is at work in our world through the lives of people we feel we might encounter even randomly. But we know better, don't we? We know that none of this happens by accident. So today we're going to answer three things from this anthem in God's Word, God's revelation of love at Christmas. First, we're going to learn this morning about love revealed, and we're going to learn more about that, and we're going to learn about what it means to receive this revelation in God's Word, and we're going to learn a little bit about how our lives are a part of that revelation and how that really should transform the way we live our lives. So we're going to look at three things this morning. I'll pick up on those in a minute, but if you want to open up to God's Word in uh, page 909 in the New Testament of your, your scriptures. And if you don't have a Bible, I'm going to promise you that that Bible is yours for the taking if you need one. That Bible there in that seat, you can take that with you. If you have someone you know who needs a Bible and they want to really dig into God's Word, they don't know where to start, they have maybe an older Bible, it doesn't make sense to them, these CSB Bibles are easy to read, take one of them and give one to somebody that you know that needs one. But if you have your own copy of God's Word, bring it with you and get used to reading it because we can find that all the promises are true in God's Word, just as Simeon and Anna are going to sing and remind us of this day. We need to know God's Word more, the story of love revealed at Christmas. So page 909, Luke chapter 2, I'm going to read here. The words will be up on the screen. I'm going to ask the folks in the booth to advance those for me as we look at God's Word this morning. So we're going to pick up this morning in Luke Chapter 2, verse 22. And when the days of the purification according to law of Moses were finished, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple where the parents brought the child to Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law. Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised, for my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and glory to your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, and a sword will pierce your own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was also a prophetess, Anna, 
a daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Whoops. Three things this morning, guys. Three things we're going to look at. Again, first, we're going to learn what was revealed in the Christmas story and how the true meaning of Christmas changes our lives today. Because we need that reality, that revelation of Christmas now more than ever. And next, we're going to see who receives this revelation and how that changes our lives and how we live as those who bear that revelation as the church today. And lastly, we're going to really dig into how our own lives as individuals should actively reveal the true meaning of Christmas in who we are and in how we live. As we do this, we must ask ourselves this question, this one we talked about. What matters the most to me this Christmas if God is who he says he is, if God's word, the Christmas story is true, what does that change about our lives? What about this true meaning of Christmas? What matters to me this Christmas? What is at the top of my Christmas? Why does that matter to me so much? If this reality is true, if God is who he says he is, if what he reveals, what is said here in his word, what Simeon and Anna prays to be true, if that is true, how does that change our lives and how does it change the way we live today? Funny thing about Christmas is our priorities change. They change because we change. And our faith is deepened and our character, it, in some ways, I wouldn't say it really completely changes, but hopefully it just anchors itself a little bit differently. Things happen to us in lives, things that are good and they're bad, and they change our hearts and they affect us. They affect how we apply the story of Christmas that Christ came near our lives are unique, and as Christians, we know they're supposed to reflect the Christmas story. They're supposed to reflect this reality. So as you think about your Christmas and what matters to you, and what's good and what's bad, what's happened in your life, what's changed it, what's changed you, how have you re uniquely responded to God's Word? Who you are in your life right now. Right now. The revelation that God's love came down at Christmas. How has that changed our lives? Because I think the story is deep enough, it's broad enough, it's wide enough that at different times in our lives it reaches us in different ways. That story is powerful enough that maybe it's different for us. Maybe Christmas is different for you in every way now than it was even three years ago or, or five years ago or even more. Maybe it is. In all these anthems of Advent that we've looked at, we've seen examples of how God's Spirit in unique times and situations in people's lives has come upon them. The Holy Spirit has rested on them. And when this happens, they reach out to God and they praise Him and they speak truth about who God is and how He is at work in their lives and in the world around them. Mary, Zechariah, the angels who, of course, are spiritual messengers, the shepherds who are those outcasts who went out. But in all these situations, these ordinary and in some ways, what we would think of in our world as forgettable people, when God's Spirit rests on them, when the true meaning of Christmas is revealed to them, their lives are changed. Now, last week with the shepherds, we talked about the priority of sharing that truth and the hope of heaven and the joy of praising God. 
But some of you may wonder, how in the world do you do it? How do you do it in Christmas when there is so much else going on? Even beyond Christmas, what's it look like in our lives? What's it look like for us to share the hope of heaven? What's it look like for us to share the joy of Christmas? That's what we're looking at today, that love and that hope of heaven. So in our lives, how do we do this? What's it look like to share Christmas? And I mean the real meaning of Christmas. Let's start here with one thing. We know that everybody understands the true meaning of Christmas. And in fact, I think everyone, they crave, they desire the true meaning of Christmas. That's why those sappy Christmas movies are so popular. I mean, honestly, are they not all the exact same plot? Tragedy has struck at Christmas. Will they ever get home? Will they ever find their way out of the hotel? What if they find true love? I can't tell you how happy I am that Netflix has all these Christmas movies like the Hallmark Channel now. I can't even turn on something to watch on TV without seeing some trailer for a movie that makes me want to shut my head in a car door. I'm just being honest. Now, if you love these movies, God bless you. I've shared before, and I'll say it again, the only true Christmas movie that I know and love is Die Hard. It's true. No, I'm, I'm Why do these Christmas movies, why are they so universally popular? They are popular. Come on. They, there's a whole channel dedicated to them. Come on. Why? Because deep down, innately in our soul, we know, we crave, we hunger, we desire for that reality of Christmas. We want that hope, that love come down. We want that revelation. Whether we recognize it or not for what it is, deep down inside, we're all looking for that, that love, that selfless kind of love. Not the one-dimensional love that we kind of create with our, our shabby art that we do in TV and movies and things like that. And there are great, I mean, I know like It's a Wonderful Life. There's great Christmas movies. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, honestly, though, beyond what we even think of, we want that deep that abiding, that powerful love, that love that does change us, that no matter where we are, if it's a high or if it's a low, if it's a good or if it's a bad, we all want that true meaning of Christmas. We're looking for it. And if you look at God's word this morning, that's what Simeon was waiting on too. God's spirit had revealed to him that he would know hope beyond this world, beyond this life, that the Messiah would come. The spirit of God rested on him and said, hey, you're going to see this before the end. And Simeon, he was an old priest. He may have felt like a lot of his life was beyond him or behind him. And yet God had made this promise and he held on to it. When he thought about what really mattered in life, he knew that no matter what, that was the most important thing, that he would know the revelation of love and hope that God was going to provide. I think... For us, like Simeon, sometimes the reason we do grow and we do get a deeper understanding of the Christmas story through the ups and downs and the highs and lows is we've tried everything else and it hasn't worked. And we know deep down, in like these little movies, that we, we really want something more. We want to know that God is real. We want to know there is hope. There is hope. And Simeon and Anna remind us that no matter where we are or how much life has happened or how much hurt we may have endured, there is something more. The hope of Christmas, that love came down. God's love reminds us of that. God patiently, patiently waits on us, and as we grow in faithfulness, 
We can learn to trust God and to belong more fully to Him. And Simeon is one of these people in the Bible that we don't want to pass by because Simeon is a model for you and me. Through all the highs, through all the lows, he'd waited. And he'd been patient. And he said, God, beyond all these other things I've waited on, now I know what really matters. I've seen it. Can you imagine Mary and Joseph? Think about our world today where we have like radio trackers on our kids everywhere and whatever else we do. You're walking in the temple. You're young. You feel out of place. They're very poor. They only have two turtle doves. We talked about that's like the least sacrifice. And they're kind of walking in. They feel out of place in church. And this priest, this pastor, runs up and grabs the little boy who's just a baby. Moms who freak out about this stuff, think about this right now. Grabs the baby and picks him up and gives him a big hug. Finally! This is why you're glad they didn't have tasers in the first century. Because we wouldn't have gotten the rest of the story, maybe. No, now Mary knew what was going to happen, right? She was ready and she thought about this. He said, finally, the one we've been waiting for, the hope of heaven, that God had come, that God had provided for us, that He is here. Simeon knew right away what mattered. He knew right away what mattered. It was probably something different than what mattered to him when he was a young man, or maybe even in the middle of his life, but at this point he had been there and done that and tried everything, and he was holding on to this promise that God was going to provide hope love, peace, and restoration to his people, that all the promises that he had prayed about and waited on as God's servant were going to come true. Maybe you feel like that. Maybe you feel like that in your own life. God has taught you through some of the hardest times and some of the best ones, patience. Maybe you have regrets in your life. Maybe you wanted all the... the wrong things. You wasted a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of, of yourself on the wrong things. And now you wonder, how can God still love me? How can God still be there? I think in some way, even though he was a priest of the Lord, I, I'm sure Simeon had regrets like the rest of us. He had things he wished he had done differently. But when he experienced God's love and God's peace, when he had drawn closer to God, he knew that something mattered. And he says, you know what? Everything else has happened to me, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I can go to heaven in peace now. None of it mattered except for this little boy that I got right here, right now. How do you think those around him felt when he did that? Maybe it's kind of sacrilegious. I always thought the Lion King, like he grabs, he holds the little kid up. Look, here he is. Here he is. People probably thought, wow, Simeon needs some water. We need to send him down for a minute. He says, here is what matters. Nothing else in my life mattered more than this. It sounds cheesy, but instead of the presents or the things or the gifts or whatever Simeon had, even the best things he'd ever had in his life, he had learned, perhaps even the hard way like we often do, that what he really needed, the greatest thing that he needed was God's presence. And here he was. He was right there. How do we reflect this in our lives? 
this season of preparation where we expect the advent that Christ comes near. How do we do this in our lives that we say that all this other stuff, yeah, yeah, we got to do this, we got to check off the list, we got to do that. But you know what? What really matters to me is not my job. It's not having the perfect body or the perfect look or whatever it is. It's not everybody's accolades and everybody saying, you know what? You're the greatest. Well, we learn like Simeon and Anna who were just waiting for God to reveal more of Him. Will we, will we learn what really, truly matters, what is lasting, the true love of Christmas revealed? And how are we going to share that with other people? I think the problem for us is it's not that we don't care. It's not that we don't want to. We often feel that our own lives are so overwhelming that we don't, we don't even have any idea how to share the true love of Christmas. I said, you know, if that's not your priority, what gets in the way of it? What happens to you? Simeon and Anna, in the twilight of their lives, from what we can learn, Anna didn't even have any other family. That's why she was living at the temple. They had learned that nothing mattered more. But have you ever thought about that the way maybe we learn that nothing matters more than the revealed love of Christ, nothing matters more than the true meaning of Christmas, is not because of all the good things God gives us, but because of all the hard things, even the difficult things that we go through. I think sometimes the way that we know God's presence the most fully, the most powerfully, the most lasting impact that God is present, that we say nothing else matters more than this, is because we've tried everything else and it hasn't satisfied us. Think about your own life. Think about what you thought would have made you happy. What you thought you'd receive. God, if only I get this, I'm going to be happy. If only I receive this, I'm going to be happy. You see, I think for all of us, we know that the one that should receive the true gift of Christmas, the second point I have there is we all need it because we all look for it. We're all seeking it. We're all hungering for it. And we, we want to have that. We, we want to have that hope beyond our lives. Simeon and Anna, through the hard times in their lives, had learned to have ears that knew when the Spirit was talking and eyes that knew when the Spirit was at work. Sometimes I fear in my own life that I get so busy, so frazzled, so frustrated that I, I don't listen for God. I'm too busy yelling at God, complaining. I'm too busy being frustrated, yet God patiently waits on me. And he draws me in and he shows me a little bit more. In my own lives, I don't want to wait on God. I don't want to have the kind of patience with God that God has with me. I want something tangible to hold on to. I want that stuff. I want that instant stuff, the present kind of stuff. And God says, no, just wait with me. And slowly and surely, God reveals more of himself to me. And all those times that I missed his presence, I slowly begin to see him at work in my life.
That's why this story is important. There were probably a thousand people at the temple that day. But only two of them knew who Jesus was. There were lots of priests there, lots of devout spiritual people there, lots of good church-going folks there, but only two of them that had probably been through a lot in their lives had learned to listen. God's Spirit fell on them. He called them out and said, Look, there's what you've been waiting for. And they praised God. In your life, in my life, in Simeon and Anna's life, it's not one big thing that takes us away from God necessarily. There's nothing that can take us away from God. But for us, when we don't see God at work, when we don't hear God's Spirit whispering to us, it's not that God isn't at work. It's that we are not seeing Him at work. And I don't think it's just one big choice or one big moment. I think often for us it's a thousand little choices that draw us closer to God or pull us farther away from Him. You know what? Not today. I'm too busy. I'll pick up that devotional tomorrow. You know, I, I need to give this week, but we've got a lot going on. I'll make it up later. You know, I really should talk to them. I can, something inside me just says I need to go talk to them. I can see it on their face. Something's wrong. But you know what? i got somewhere to be. Everyone needs the love of Christmas. Everyone needs the hope of Christ. And when God shapes us, we need to take that initiative. This Christmas, what matters the most to you and why? Does that thing draw you closer to Jesus? Does it draw you in to reach out and to share Him, to celebrate Him, to see Him at work and say, look, there He is. There's God at work right there. Because what happens when Simeon and Anna, they run up, it's weird, it's awkward, they do it, but in that moment, true spiritual community is created between those five people at the temple. And look who's right in the middle of it. Jesus. Everyone else was there, but nobody else saw it. Why? What do we love the most this Christmas? Does it draw us in? Does it pull us into God's life? Does it cause us to be the ones who actively and completely and fully in who we are? Do we step out? Have we gotten over the fact that all these other things aren't going to provide for us, but if we can wait on God, if we can listen, if we can trust that He is pulling us in, He's shaping us, that He's making us His people, through the ups and the downs, through the goods and the bads, our lives will and they must actively reflect. You see, life is hard. There's a spiritual struggle. No more is that present in the Christmas story when the light breaks into the darkness. We'll talk more about that on Christmas Eve. Simeon's prophecy about Jesus reveals this. He says, you know what? Some of the people here aren't going to like Him. In fact, the true desires of their hearts that aren't what they should be are going to be revealed. God works with us despite our sinfulness. He shapes us. He molds us because we need to be shaped. We need to be molded. We need to be His people. God reveals love to us that's beyond what we can ever ask or imagine because that love is the only thing that can transform our broken hearts. And deep down, we all know we need it. We do. That's the love that's revealed at Christmas. And Simeon says, you know what? Whatever happens, people aren't going to like some of this because it's going to show that they don't have their hearts on what eternally matters. There's going to be some people that don't like this. 
Some of these people right around here probably aren't going to like it. But that's okay. That's okay. This marriage can be hard. We know that the Messiah has come, and he prophesies by the Spirit the Messiah has come. He's destined to cause the fall and the rise of many in Israel. A sign that will be exposed or opposed. But look what it says at the end. Look what it says. A sword will pierce your own soul. The thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. God's word promises us that Christ will lift up the humble. Those who say to God, you know what? I'm a mess. I need you. God, I need you more than I ever needed you before. And at Christmas, all this other stuff, all this crazy, it's not enough. If God is who he says he is, and Christmas is what we believe it to be, how does that reality change your life and mine? Not just today, as we approach Christmas Day, but every day. Will we be like Simeon and Anna, who know that God is here and God is present? Let's make 2020 about serving God more deeply and sharing his love and mercy more powerfully and taking that initiative to know that all the things we've tried, we know they don't matter, but the one thing that matters, the one thing that creates community, the one thing that draws us in, the one thing we should be sharing with the world around us is Jesus. In every little thing we do, will we try to share Christ's love, Christ's hope, Christ's joy, Christ's mercy with everyone we meet. That's God's challenge for us. That we know the love revealed. What will we do with what we've experienced? Dr. Tim Keller has a great quote. At Christmas, if you don't do both of these things, ponder and treasure the word of God, you will not truly hear the message. That's what Simeon and Anna did. They did. They pondered. They treasured. They waited. Your ears will hear it but not your mind and heart. It won't sink in, comfort, convict, or change you. Friends, let's be like Simeon and Anna. Let's understand the love of heaven, the hope, the consolation of all God's people is found in Jesus Christ. Let's work next year to build a God-ordained, spirit-empowered community where we share the love of God revealed in all we say and do. Let's pray. Father, in all things that we would belong more completely to you, that we would be your people, that we would in every way understand that no matter how far we feel from you, no matter how much we hurt, no matter what we've experienced, that you've always been at work. You've always been drawing us in. Sometimes we don't see it. Sometimes lots of people won't see it. Just like Simeon and Anna experienced in their own lives. Of all the people there at the temple that day, they saw God's promise to transform and redeem all of creation had come true. God, you keep your promises, every one in your word, just as Simeon believed. You reveal that to us. Lord, you shape us through the good things, through the bad things. You make us more your people that we would know that in all things, your love revealed is at the center of every blessing. That Jesus Christ is at the center of all true community that brings hope, that brings joy, that brings peace and healing. God, make us those who would bear that. And every little thing that we would learn to listen, to wait, 
to trust that you've been so patient with us, God, when we haven't been patient. You've been so merciful for, with us, God, when we haven't shown mercy, when we've been too busy to stop and see that you were at work right in front of us. God, make us those people that share your love revealed, that see you at work, that your spirit would fall on us, shape us and use us, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.